Sarah Hathaway, we watched La La Land. In one sentence, what's your favorite thing about the movie? I think the costume design is one of the best I've seen in the last few years. So many bright colors. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, and I have more thoughts on this that I will expand upon later. <laughs> it's did they get the person from the OK Go videos? Because I kind of think that happened. <laughs> no, I will expand on who they oh, got later. Okay, <laughs> no. Uh, are you frustrated that they look a little nice for how little money she makes for a living? No, I'm not, and I can also expand. <laughs> on uh, this is just a great tease. Yeah. I'm gonna, everything will expand later. Stick it's like one of those like for, uh, yeah. for more costume sponges. And read it and weep. <laughs> Uh, Ezra Fox, what's your favorite thing about La La Land? Um, Ryan Gosling uh, was also in the Mickey Mouse Club, and those guys know how to pick talent. <laughs> they do Kingmaker Mickey Mouse. Oh my god! Like if you, like there's like a there's like a picture of him with like Justin Timberlake and when they're young, and it's just like that they, they Christina they, Aguilera. Yeah, yeah, Britney Spears. Britney Spears. They they did all right. Like uh, like whoever. Whoever that person is, like who was like the talent scout for that, like I, we really, they should get a medal of some kind for sure. What What do you think it's like to be the people who didn't make it? Yeah, you have to, the, oh. you have to be a real, real jerk to not make it out of that club into a f- huge career. Because <laughs> it's really, it's like reverse in sync, right? It's like in sync when everyone's JT and just one guy's <laughs> left. Like, what the hell happened to me? <laughs> Yeah, like, that's a great question. That's like, great. that's got to be rough, you know? Uh, my major compliment is, uh, so I, well, the first time I saw this, I came in with kind of a bad attitude, and I was sitting there with my arms crossed, like, not, I'm not going to like this. And she goes into her apartment, and she's like, it's too nice. And I'm like, that apartment's way too nice. She better have three roommates to be able to pay for this. And then three roommates appear. And I was like, all right, good work, movie. You guessed the right number of roommates that I was thinking, I guess I'm on your side I mean, now. that's though that's the number you'd need to afford that size apartment in Los Angeles. It was perfect. And so it... It really depends on where it well, is. Well, of course. But it... Uh, it uh, still, I they, they, they didn't just do, she's a poor kid working at a coffee shop with a huge apartment to herself. She had roommates and yeah. probably two of them have like Instagram businesses, but still... Yeah. I will say it was unlikely because there was nothing stolen from the coffee shop in that apartment that I saw. So <laughs> that's why I didn't buy. Well, you got to see her creamer selection. <laughs> it's massive. Anthony, Anthony Lopez, what is your major compliment for La La Land? Uh, I love that every few years a director is nice enough to give us a prestige picture that just wants to make you feel nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Not just trying yeah, to bum man. you out. Not just trying to watch, you know, presidents get shot in the head and families burn alive. You know, just a nice, a nice good time. Just that really know? optimistic viewpoint that literally everyone who goes to Los Angeles to pursue their dreams makes it. Well, it takes five years. That's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're willing to put in five to maybe six years, you're guaranteed to be the most famous person in the world. Um, Yeah, but you also don't end up with Ryan Gosling. So So there's trade-offs. It's a mixed bag. I mean, if you have a problem with this, I'd hate for you guys to ever see any other movie musical that's ever been made. <laughs> You're yeah. not going to like their worldview. Well, hold on. I mean, uh, I stopped Rent uh, after the first act, and I thought it was pretty great. <laughs> Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We're a podcast about multi-Oscar nominated films. Always have been. Always will be. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Falcone. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. I've got a great panel with me today. Uh, First up, he's at Ezra Fox on Twitter in Northern California. It's Mr. Ezra Fox. 
Hey, Ryan Gosling, just because you're singing doesn't mean you can, like, come to the pier and dance with my wife. I don't, I don't <laughs> Why does this keep on happening? And, but and what if he gave you a hat? That was either your hat or that's not a hat. hat. <laughs> what if he returned your hat before he stole your wife? <laughs> did your hat blow enough. off? There was not in the not a breeze at all? Or did you throw that hat? Or did he just find a hat that fit you perfectly and you're okay? It was not called hat. City of Breezes, okay? <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. He, I liked that where the guy was like, hey, take my wife. Hold on there, buddy. Getting a little close <laughs> to my wife. <laughs> yeah. Also joining us, he's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter in Portland, Oregon. It's Anthony Lopez. Uh, recording uh, from Portland, the city, when the stars let you down, you wake up to another shitty day of overcast and rain. <laughs> and just <laughs> life pissing down your neck. It's real great. <laughs> and the traffic well, is not taller great than I thought. either. Yeah. <laughs> All of that would be, like, the traffic jam musical here would be people, like, with their windows rolled up, uh, driving slower than they need to because there's wetness. And then okay. it's another, it's, <laughs> it's another day of seasonal defective disorder. <laughs> yeah, SDD, that the lesser-known cousin of seasonal affective <laughs> yeah. disorder. Yeah. Well, well, no, you're not putting it on or anything. Like, it's you're just really defective. Yeah. <laughs> did you, Sarah, did you say that everyone would be in their car listening to NPR? That's a great yes. joke that got I'm glad buried. you caught that. I thought it was good. <laughs> and I didn't want to be lost to the sands of time. I like when we loop around, yeah. Also joining yeah. us this week, uh, man, what a panel. At uh, Sarah Hathaway on Twitter in La La Land itself. We might even call you our LA correspondent. It's Sarah Hathaway. Ooh. Smiling through it. She said she would do it again. Well, uh, I as, as the one person so far in our panel who's moved to LA to pursue their dreams, how realistic does this feel to you? Uh, well, guys, I actually, there's a lot about this that feels very, very real and relatable, which is part of the reason why I love this movie so much and can't really have an unbiased view of it. Uh Um, And I'm happy to talk about that. But one of the things why, one of the reasons why I love this movie is I saw it with my parents. And uh, during that audition song that I just quoted Mm -hmm. um, towards the end of the movie, my dad, who is very sweet but doesn't often let his sentimental side show, who has always been super supportive of me pursuing creative stuff, reached over and just like held my hand during that song and like never said anything about it, but just like held my hand the whole time. And that meant so much to me. Are you sure he wasn't just like thinking like I miss my sister or something like that? (laughs) Yeah. Or he's like, I hate this movie and I can't believe we're watching it together. Or he was like, I can't believe I gave up on my dreams of auditioning. And now Uh, Sarah is the one who gets it. Yeah. I should have asked some questions. You should have clarified, because I might have just cried for nothing. (laughs) Uh, uh, Isn't that song about about her aunt was an alcoholic and tried to... I mean, she was a dreamer, okay? It's a broad... Yeah. Yeah. Mostly about dreaming. Partially about alcoholism. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That is so beautiful, Sarah. Uh, So this is episode number 379. We have now done as many episodes as the length in feet of the longest ever truck jump. Dang! Wow. Yeah. Truck got hops. Yeah, last year, off-road champion Bryce McKenzie earned himself a spot on the Guinness Book of World Records by launching a truck 379.4 feet in the air over a New Mexico ghost town. <laughs> there <laughs> has to be. He jumped a ghost to, town. There has to be a more what? impressive book you can get in for doing something like that, right? You don't think this? Oh, town! <laughs> well, this should be like the badass, badass book, you know? Like the... <laughs> That's a good idea of our, our Guinness rival. Yeah, I just... 
I know because like I, I don't want to like risk my life and be pit next to the guy who you know pit a bunch of cigarettes in his mouth. Like I don't get why. <laughs> I mean that guy's why, risking his life too. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Fastest <laughs> cup stacker. Like yeah, come on. I I just jumped over a ghost town. Yeah, Are I would you? I would buy the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, in parentheses, not those stupid records edition. Like, just only the cool ones. Yeah, the, the cool yeah. ones. Yeah. Because <laughs> jumping a truck, uh, the previous record was 301 feet, so he added se- 78 feet to the record, which is very impressive. Um, unfortunately, before he was scheduled to repeat the record for a live TV, for live TV, the truck crashed and the show had to be canceled, and he was taken to the hospital with a broken shoulder, but was happy with the way things turned oh, out God. overall. Well, yeah, I mean, the drugs are pretty great for broken shoulder. <laughs> I, it's uh, that's the other thing about jumping people. Like, like Evil Knievel was always like, he was walking to get some refills at the buffet, and he broke thirteen bones. It's, it's a lot of bone breaking if you're in the jumping business. Yeah, but a lot of bone mending. No one ever talks about that, right? Every every bone you break, you have to mend. That's pretty much. Bone doctors talk about that. Oh yeah, they're like yeah. It's it's about the bones you don't break. That's the that's where the real magic is. Speaking of flying high, this week we're talking about La La Land, the original movie musical written and directed by Damien Chazelle of uh, Whiplash fame. And uh, why do we why are we talking about this this week? Well, so it was uh, nominated for was eleven Oscars, fourteen, a million, a million Oscars. Oscars. Okay, but how many Oscars do we actually care about? Well, that's what I like, was thinking because a lot of them are five, probably right? like real then padding. Yeah. Yeah, probably one of them was like title cards, and who really cares about that one? I mean, there there is a person. Yeah, but yeah, they probably already won that Oscar. <laughs> yeah, that's at the technical awards. Those were done. They put those <laughs> in like a weird, like Motel Eight lobby. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to watch. Is the I want to I want to talk about technical awards. So how did it do it? And it did, it got like it, like a record at the SAG Awards, right? It's. It's won all of the major awards at almost every award show that's happened so yeah, far. It even somehow managed to beat Lemonade at the Grammys, which feels a little racist. <laughs> but um, yeah, it uh, it did very well. Did very well. And uh, so we're... And I guess... so, Which in and of itself does not necessarily make it a read and weep pick. But um, I've been really... I've had real mixed feelings about it. Uh, I, when I, I watched it and I thought it was like okay to not great. And then it won all these awards. And so I became like kind of a dick about it but then i watched it again last night with anthony and his fiance and i loved it and so now i don't know how i feel <laughs> alex that's oh the twist God, i wasn't expecting I what man happened, sarah i don't know how it happened i don't know what it was i really liked it. i just clutched my heart <laughs> <laughs> i just held sarah's dad's hand a little bit <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, this is so exciting. I, Ooh, this makes it so much more interesting. I have uh, no idea what I'm going to say. I don't know how... I don't know what happened. Part of it... So part of it is that if you get a chance to watch a movie with Anthony and and his lady, they it is a it is a joy because they both know so much shit. And so they would be like... Uh, they would say like, oh, I really love this sequence because of this thing. And then I would watch the sequence and be like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have noticed that. What a great point. And and uh, yeah, and so... And so uh, his fiance was talking a lot about the colors in uh, the color palette of the movie, and so uh-huh. started paying all this attention to the colors that I had never noticed before. So that all helped. Also, I don't know, and it's not like I went in with a good attitude this time because I was definitely expecting to hate it again. And then I don't know, I don't know, what do I do? 
Uh, if you oh, want, I can play defense for a while. So I think you might have to. <laughs> I mean, uh. when I was writing up notes, like I still have some like some grave concerns about it. Um, also, I might be fascist for liking it now, which is even more complicated. Um, uh, we all might be. It's so hard. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. Um, but uh, generally, I think I like it. So let's do. Let me let me summarize, and then we'll talk about it. Um, and, well, actually, let's we'll finish this hand raise. I guess. So, Sarah, you were you were really into it. Yeah, I love it. I've seen it four times. Oh, nice. Uh, Ez, how are you feeling? I know you're going to play defense because we need that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I loved it the first time, and I generally enjoyed it the second time, but noticed some some like more slow parts, I guess, the second time around. Oh, interesting. And Anthony, you're all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I don't love it as much as like I think a lot of people do. Like I think it's a very good, uh, technically accomplished movie that uh, just... Is like very good, and then the last ten minutes make it a masterpiece of like. Oh, I love yeah. the ending so much. I think it really raises, oh, so elevates the entire film. Uh, but with it, everything before that, I like it a lot. Like the first two musical numbers, I think they kind of mm-hmm. peter in quality after that. But then the ending, just fuck, what an ending! Yeah. Okay, so uh, really, we have the whole gamut of uh, opinions from like to love a lot. So <laughs> we've really, it's really great. It is, it's confusing though. Sorry about that. Uh, it's 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 confusing. So let me, but in case you haven't seen it, um, let me read. So because Chris is gone, I'm having to rely on uh, internet people to summarize for me. This was a, a summary for on IMDb written by this will go well. Despicable Hannigan. So you know where uh, they stand cool. politically, but they are pro large ships carrying containers. Um, so here's the summary: struggling actress Mia. Emma Stone, an ambitious jazz pianist, Sebastian, Ryan Gosling, begin a meteoric romance as they both follow their heart in the path oh. of their dreams in <laughs> L.A. When they reach a point where their career meteoric. path pull them in different directions, they are forced to face the challengers, their growing relationship. The spaceship the challenger. challenger. <laughs> <laughs> so, it does make it hard to stay together, that challenger. Yeah, well, yeah. especially if you're on a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I feel really gross for making that yeah, joke. That was real I'm not gonna lie, that, that was very dark for me. That tickled me so much. Yeah, that's, that's how I. That's, at first, I thought it was just a tame joke. Then Anthony laughed his "that was evil," but I liked it. Laugh, and then I got. <laughs> that's a bad joke. I, I really, I truly apologize, guys. I, uh, so uh, uh, yeah, so you know, it's just one of those meteoric romances uh, that we all hear so much about about your when your heart path and your dreams. I think I just uh, like a good. This is a really good like word salad summary of the film. I thought that was really fun. Um, yeah, there's a lot yeah, of following your wrong, heart, heart in path in your dream, <laughs> and their yeah. career path pulled them in different directions. They had one career path in different directions, uh, <laughs> probably one east and <laughs> one, one west. Path diverged in a yellow wood. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so so. Let's talk about some things in uh, maybe kind of a loose order because anthony you mentioned like the opening number and i think that's a, a great place to start and this is a number that they like i've heard i've read was like something that damien loved but then later they were really wanted to cut because it didn't actually make sense in the movie as much but then he kept it because he just liked it so much oh, it's, um yeah thank god so how do you yeah so so is is so it's a big freeway musical number, traffic jam, everyone getting out of the <laughs> I like that you say that as if it's like a stock thing, like yeah, we all know, know this, it right? It's like yeah. a hopes and aspirations traffic jam song. And uh, um, yeah. I, I guess well, this is... It takes the place of an overture. Yes. Yeah. It sets like... Yeah, it tells us about the world. 
Yeah, the tone of the yeah. film and what like the theme of it is, right? I mean, I definitely like mm-hmm. you calling it more tone than substance because you can't hear any of the words they say. <laughs> For some reason, they oh. decided to record the words of this. Seems like things. a theater problem. No, I watch it once in a in a in a good movie theater and and once at Anthony's house, and both of them, it's like real mumbly mouthed on that opening song. Everything else seems like it's done much better, but that one felt like they were recorded early and Do- early, like in the. F- 30s like that early <laughs> <laughs> not like just, early in the day like early in time yeah like well we i mean it was good mics it's an old wax cylinder he found in a box somewhere <laughs> yeah. it was like Damn, that up on the old screen. formats yeah super authentic yeah. uh so what do you guys think you, so sarah tell me why this was so like so exciting for you from early on well i so one of the many reasons why i was just probably going to love this movie is that i love movie musicals like classic movie musicals and I grew up watching them and I still adore them and this is such a classic movie musical thing where you have a big chorus that's not necessarily your leads singing about what the thesis statement of that musical is yeah Mm -hmm. and this one's all just like everyone comes to Los Angeles to pursue their dreams and usually you don't get them but even if you don't you wake up tomorrow and it's another day of sun which seems like a very Pollyanna-ish view of the world but it's also a very prevalent viewpoint in LA. Like people are very happy here because it is just like nice all the time. There's a lot of optimism. I mean, in the, the, sun is, here. the sun is no joke. It is delightful how much it sun is there is. No in joke. <laughs> I'm I, a much nicer person here. Yeah. Huh. I, I, one of the things I really love about the opening is the way it like, like what you were saying, it sort of sets a lot of the stuff about the movie. It's a very classical uh, opening number, but like the movie mm-hmm. is like throughout entirely. It's like very old Hollywood wrapped in modern tropes, like modern, yes. incredibly modern camera work. Like it's all one long unbroken mm-hmm. take. That is well, not really, but like it looks like it. Is, right? Do they have cuts it's, hidden in it? There's definitely a couple I, of cuts hidden in it. Pro- there, are, there are cuts. Uh, a couple of whips, maybe. Uh, it, yeah, when they like turn around. But it's really well done. It's it's a lot. There's a couple of like real Birdman-y things where like mm-hmm. the camera kind of goes up to the sky and it comes back and all of a sudden all the flips are correct. Uh, and, like that probably wasn't one take. There's too many flips. Yeah. Probably fair. <laughs> too many flips for it to be one. Oh, what's the maximum of flips? It could be it could be in heavy one take. Oh, six well, tops. And <laughs> one kick to the head. Also. Yeah. Uh, they filmed this a couple of years ago in the midst of one of the biggest heat waves in October oh, that LA ever had. So all of those people so were it so was sweaty. Over 100 degrees. Well, yeah, and this is one of the things I love about it is like the costume designer bought like three of everyone's costumes and they had them in their cars and they had to change between takes because they were getting so sweaty. Oh, gross. <laughs> wow. But also and they awesome. They had to keep like cycling through all these clothes. Yeah, and they did it. It's real. They shut down a section of the freeway. For two days and did that. Well, so that was... And, I, and that's, like, so amazing to me. This yeah. is one of the things that was difficult for me emotionally to want, like, for in order to get into the film, is that I I also love classic movie musicals so much, but there's something about them being old that makes me not judge their authenticity of moments. And there's something about setting this in, pr- in modern day. So, like, one of the things that really bothered me is that they're doing this whole thing about, like, in this traffic jam, and... Uh, you can clearly see all the surrounding freeways have are large and empty and have free flowing traffic, and so it doesn't. It's just weird that this one ramp is stopped and everybody else is driving because oh. it's not crowded. And I, well, I know that that can't happen, but the way it like they're going onto a freeway that has no traffic constantly. There's, it's just it's just really weird looking, and that th- like if there was tr- if it was just like traffic everywhere 
it would have made sense because so I just I kept getting caught up in little details like that because so it's it, not it's, it's not like the band in the back of the truck who's ready to play that yeah, you you're have not bothered worried with. about them totally I'm, you're not worried. so I know that sounds I guess it sounds silly when you say it that way deeply worried about them safety I am worried you're about, not you're not sure. you're not worried that a bunch of people simultaneously hear music like that doesn't take you out <laughs> but like I. Look, I get it. I get it. I mean, the serious point is that uh, that it's anytime you're suspending disbelief on big things, it helps to get the little things right, so that I'm not constantly being taken out by those. Mm. But truthfully, when they opened the truck and they showed the the band, I wasn't thinking, "Man, that band is probably not safe back there." I was thinking, "I can clearly see that the <laughs> drum beat is not matching the song." So I was fine with there being people abandoned a truck. I thought it was weird to do obvious timpani drums that don't, so you can see, like, on the bass, you can't tell if he's playing it, but on drum beats, it's very clear he's just hitting whatever he feels like. (laughs) So you're saying... I'm so so interested that you like old movie... I guess, yeah, you said that the, the age of them... It definitely helps. Like when I'm wa- when I'm watching I'm the like, Music Man, these are all over the place. When I'm watching the Music yeah. Man, I'm not like that's not the Gary Indiana I know. It's like so, that kid isn't playing that trumpet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, so I guess that's actually. How do you think this will age then? Right. So if, could we watch yeah. this in thirty years and like and and with this like. Would this be a thing, basically? Would this be something that you'd like want to show to your kids? I could totally see that happening, and and part of the reason is because in thirty years it'll feel timeless because it's actually doing uh-huh. something that's fifty years ago, so it won't feel like it's it's that stuck in the moment. It'll feel like oh, this is the thirties, but with like, we'll all be modern apartments. We'll all have automated codes, so traffic jams will be a thing of the past. Yeah, exactly. They won't know ideas. what traffic so jams quaint. are. <laughs> Uh, so what you're saying, Alex, is that Damien Chazelle is a hack, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, can I, I think that's that what, what you're saying? saying, right? Yeah. I, no. He doesn't have good attention to detail. He doesn't. He would put all this hard work in, but not think about the other freeways. What a hack filmmaker! I mean, right? it's weird, and there's so, there are a bunch of little things like that that just seem like you're not paying attention to the details, and I, that frustrates me. Um, like, if you actually want to hate Damien Chazelle, just look how old he is. Yeah, that's oh, so yeah, upsetting. How man. old is he? Uh, 31? Oh. 32. He, he, just, he just had his birthday. Oh, oh thank just, God. He's 32 Just now. turned 32. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah, hate that. Yeah, that's not great. That means he's, if he just had his birthday, it means he's still younger than me. Yeah, he is. Oh, I hate people who are younger than me. <laughs> just getting more of them now. God damn. Yeah, uh, they're they're not making people who are older than you. Really well, from now on, I'm going to refer to him as person who's younger than me, Damien Chazelle. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, of course he's making a movie about how everything works out in Hollywood. He's 32 and he got to make this movie. Yeah, Ugh. his his second hit movie. Good job, buddy. What a dick. Well, he's been writing it for 10 years, so it wasn't true for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, yeah, he had a really bad run then since it's only supposed to take five for you to get instantly famous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a lot of other complaints that are like little things that and then I have some serious concerns about it. But that like it now it feels weird because I said that I really liked it because I just like this time the second time around no, like the first okay. time I really hated that first number partially because it just the sound is so bad and partially because of like um, the fact that our windows are open on the freeway, which is just insane. Well, it's it's a jam. I imagine they would have been there for a stops. while. No, yeah. I if you're stopped, that means there's more smog idling around you. Uh, like you well, definitely actually... have your windows, especially if it's hot. You'd want to have your air conditioning on, and you'd want to 
just every single car had their windows down like that that doesn't matter and i don't care about it in like the horse and buggy scenes in other movies but like just because i <laughs> this horse shouldn't have had its windows down i mean it's gonna be it's gonna get so hot that the horse really wishes the yeah, that surrey with the fringe on top exactly. is idle that's, too long that fringe is unrealistic <laughs> i mean there's definitely something to that i do feel like it's different from the other time um but my my major concerns are more about like as a there's a some, I have some serious writing concerns, which is that I think from okay. a romance uh. standpoint, it I I think it anytime a, a a couple breaks up or fights because they never they just didn't talk at all, uh, uh I think that's that's like cheap writing for a romance a romantic story, and so their fight feels so bizarre out of nowhere. They haven't had a conversation since they got together in the movie, so it's super weird that they just uh, say those brutal, cutting things about them as people. Like, this is what you are deep down inside. Like, you've never talked, um, and it just feels like a, it's just a, like just a very manufactured fight for no reason to get them to break up because it feels like that point in the movie when they're supposed to break up. And I like from a writing standpoint, that bothers me. Um. So let's see. I guess we're, we're transitioning into. Uh... Uh, like a, a structured critique. So this is like piling on on the on the fight scene. Sure. Yeah. Let's pile um, on the fight scene. Are you going to talk about uh, what food he was making? <laughs> oh, he, yeah. Okay. Well, I he, have some serious questions about that dessert. What? Yeah. Well. Okay. So yeah, that's what a great question, right? That? So like, where was the timer that he had set for that thing? No timer. Right. Yeah, why was he baking mid meal? Yes. Why was he baking? Why is the dessert two and a half feet tall? It's a what giant pot pie. It's a, the biggest <laughs> yeah, pot pie you've ever souffle? seen. It was a, it was was it a, a souffle cheese? with a whole stiff stripper inside. Uh, so, and no timer on that? Uh, no timer on the stripper souffle. Uh, it was yeah, such a Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. I, I'm going to be annoying for a second. Well, for most of this podcast, for this entire podcast. But I'll be annoying specifically for this thing. The second time I watched the movie... I noticed you hear a timer go off in the middle of their fight. Oh, uh, yeah. sound cue, but the timer the timer goes off for a long time before the smoke alarm goes off. That's fair. Um, Damn, good job, sound design. <laughs> yeah, it is there because the second time around, I was like, I know this monster cake's gonna come out. I gotta get some more info <laughs> Such about a it. Such weird cake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so that's weird. fair. I my I mean, but like their whole fight is like. Hey, I didn't realize you're going to be on tour forever because apparently they're having this. They've been in a, they've been dating for six months and they've never texted. They never text. He hasn't. He's been on tour for a couple days and didn't even text her to be like, "Hey, I'm on tour still," or "I'm going to be home." Like they just don't communicate at all. Um, and the the she's like, "Oh, surprise! You're going to be on tour for a while," which is super weird. Uh, because like if you're dating somebody and you get offered a tour, I feel like one thing you'd do is be like, hey, honey, I got offered this tour. Oh, really? How long is it? Like a very basic conversations you'd have every day. And they just never talk. And so the whole fight is like, well, we never talked. I didn't know you were going to Boise. And then, uh, and, and I was wondering about this because my sister works for rock bands and she's on tour all the time. And I was like, hey, what's your tour schedule like? And she just shared it with me because it's very easy. And... <laughs> so they most bands use this app called master tour that like organizes all your call times and all like all your technical information and stuff and it's super easy just to share your upcoming schedule that has travel days and where you are and what your call times are and she my sister is this is how cool she is i was telling her this was for a joke about la, la land and she's and she's like oh yeah a friend of mine is working for john legend's upcoming tour and 
I so she texts her friend who's working on the tour, and they're like, "Yeah, he's using Master Tour, and he shared his upcoming schedule with his wife, Chrissy Teigen." Well, so it's super yeah. easy to share your schedule of your John Legend tour with your significant okay. other. Okay, but what if just John Legend is better at it than Ryan Gosling? Right? Then he like, can share all the knowledge he has with his new friend who's in the process of ruining a relationship. <laughs> I mean, I think but he's just he's too pissed about the whole jazz thing, you know? That's why they can't talk. He can't Ryan Gosling can't talk to anyone. I think that's the real issue. I, yeah, I don't think he's set up as a great communicator in the movie in general. Uh, he's um, so funny when he's talking. I know. Uh, I mean, I don't know either. I agree that like the reasons for it do seem like very, very strange and mystifying. An- um, Anthony, what you were I saying? Think it also, s- sorry, sorry, sorry. I finished. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. I think the movie sets them both up as people who have a certain amount of tunnel vision about their goals and aspirations, and it puts these people together who are maybe not very well suited to being in a relationship with someone exactly like them. Well, I have, and that's I have some concerns about their goals like, and aspirations we're both too. Concerns. But Anthony, I want to get you in here. If you haven't, mm-hmm. yeah. So you were saying you guys, you and uh, you and Heather were talking about how uh, that that fight seemed like definitely not a six month fight. That felt like a three year fight. No. Yeah, mm. and I, I mean, I also like I one of the things I like about that scene is I feel like some of the 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 writing is a little weird, but I do feel like the the way a perfectly good night can go to shit mm-hmm. so fast is very sincere. Like the feeling is very <laughs> sincere. Like yeah. I. I thought I was going to surprise you. And it was like, we're having this great romantic dinner. And then just the one wrong sentence gets said. Yeah. And it's just one uh, wrong question. What have you been up to? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Who could have thought that would come up? Yeah. Really derails the conversation fast when somebody asks what you're doing with your life that you haven't bothered to tell her. Yeah. It's like the main thing is like, she's getting angry at him for like not starting this club immediately. And it's like, I get that you, as an actress, feel like you have like a timetable, but like starting the club, he can do whenever, right? Like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, why you're, she's so <laughs> you're never too old about- to have a jazz club. Yeah, actually, I mean, that's probably true, though, uh, in all likelihood, just because like, uh, well, wait, the older you get, the better the jazz will get, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I want my jazz club owners to have some character, some totally. like some like some scars and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, if really, if anything, it's the reverse, right? Like, if I walked into a really nice jazz club and I was had all this history stuff, and I was like, "Man, this is amazing! Who owns this place?" And thirty-two-year-old Damien Chazelle comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, "What the fuck is happening? Fuck this place!" Totally. Yeah. Also, yeah. the thing about starting a small business is you need some money, and so the fact that he's as, as soon as he gets a job that he can put money into savings, not to mention is building his reputation as a famous rock piano player that could then help bring attention to his future yeah. small business. She's it, like, it no, you sense. have to be nobody and broke in order to start this food and beverage business you want to start. My, my my issue from a plotting standpoint is like they kind of understood that neither, like so that basically they have essentially two breakup scenes, like back to back. Oh yeah. And right. And, and like, I was just from a plotting standpoint, it's like, okay, they knew that neither of them really worked. Uh, on their own, but I don't know if they like it's like fair on their on together either because like it's like oh it's just pretty much the same beat over and over again. Totally, where it's like they're, they're not connecting and they're not connecting again, and this time it just pushes over. But it's not like it doesn't. And the first time, so the first breakup scene, they're not connecting because he didn't share his master tour app with her. And the second Important. time, they're having a breakup because he didn't put his photo shoot on their shared Google Calendar. 
so he didn't realize it was the same <laughs> night as her one night only so, one woman show in Los Angeles in a 500 I would theater. recommend two nights if you're going to put it into that much uh, yeah. time, or right? Or a theater like, that's the yeah. appropriate size for you're a nobody and you don't even have 10 friends to come to this. Yeah, and how could she not make the money back on that? Well, yeah, also she's like, yeah, she's like, I, don't, I didn't make enough money to pay back the theater. I'm leaving. And then she just leaves town. So she just stole money from this small business uh, in the, the arts. <laughs> she's a hero. <laughs> yeah. But I, oh man, let's talk about her show really quick. Because uh, uh, I, like, I get that he is a genius piano player because he plays two bars of Thelonious Monk over and over again. And he's like really into the art. But like, we never actually see. And he likes that stool. And he, yeah, right, he's don't got a good stool. That. But her project as an actor is her first ever writing project, her first ever putting it up. She emails like 15 people and expects a million people to show up at a one-person show, which nobody likes one-person shows. And in Well, let's check, let's check around. Does anyone like one-person shows? It depends on the show, man. I've seen some good ones. I've seen some bad I've ones. I've seen a couple good okay, ones what's the and hit, the worst. What's the hit rate? <laughs> uh, I would say, well... Um, fringe festivals about fifty fifty. Comedy oh. world, I'd say it's more like seventy five twenty five. The comedy world definitely helps. I've my non comedy world ones that I've seen. It's been a hit ratio of like one in ten. And dang, you've seen ten. I've definitely seen ten one one person shows, and they're dang. Oh, so that's like ten bad. people more than I can count. Oh. Whoa! Oh, they're so bad. It's such ugh, it's such a bad genre. Ugh. I mean, comedy shows are fine because it's basically just like you want to do an hour of stand-up, but you also want to show us a picture. So, and like somebody's going to get cancer in the middle of it. Like, that's fine. Um, but the the non... Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that what the joke was? Did I laugh in the right place? <laughs> Usually in the comedy world, it's like, I just want to tell my jokes, but I have one sad thing that happens. Ah, uh, okay. So you want to balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, like, also, I've had people, when I've done shows in L.A., that I've invited to shows that have said, without irony, I don't go to shows I'm not in. And uh, that is, like, the, that's, it's tough to get people to stuff in Los Angeles. And the fact that that's you just have. That's very true. And the, one of the ways you get people in to, to come see the show is you put, like, six improv groups, so everyone invites one friend, and then you have mm. 25 people yes. there. But if you have a one-person show, you're the draw. And she put. Holy shit! Wait, I just I couldn't wait. I just cracked this story right wide open. <laughs> okay, so she's not a draw on her own. Just get like the famous like piano guy to play like an opening yeah, like five minute like at set. No point. I, Did she say rock star boyfriend? Will you play a song in my one person show? Huh. He wouldn't have been able to go because he had a conflict that night that he didn't write down in any calendar. But <laughs> but like even when they were I, hanging out, she wasn't like, "Hey, maybe you could like play some music during this show." They never talked about it. They both, you're both artists. Make a cool art project together. Yeah, double right. your like draw. Or thing, right? She wanted His, to succeed on her own terms. Uh, well, <sighs> or not. Um, also, the title "Goodbye River" or "Goodbye Boulder City" is just so bad. I mean, nothing about that would. I would never go to that show. You're telling you, me that I don't think we're you supposed to think it was good. Yeah, wait, Alex. Like, would you say? I, would you see see a rock town? Because that's about the same thing. See a rock town? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. instead of goodbye Boulder City, see a rock town. Uh, yeah, I would definitely go to see a rock town for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Later, Pebblesville. <laughs> I would definitely see that later. Would actually, that would be great. 
<laughs> okay, great. I'll also, write that one. I would one. probably be more likely to go ch- go to Chicken on a Stick than Seb's, but um, that's a different story. Anthony, what were you saying? Oh, I just, I mean, you, you tell me when you get, like, mass emailed about so long Boulder City that doesn't make you want to go out and see it. <laughs> doesn't tingle, tingle your giblets. Yeah. No, it and doesn't. It's like, ooh, me and 40 other people got tagged in this. This must be exciting. But not So not only is that show bad, she gets recognized, gets cast in a movie that is a six month or seven month improvisational script writing movie that is casting nobody actors there's no way that movie is good like did she just get cast in elephant by gus van zandt is that what happened i think so and there's no way that last days isn't that what those (laughs) movies are or like uh best in show but without comedians wait i think sarah's about to break this thing wide open what's up dude I have some thoughts about why that got her that audition slash role. Oh, okay. Actually, this is maybe not. This is definitely not going to be funny. But like, so is it I be never annoying? thought watching this. Probably, uh, I don't know. I feel <laughs> like I'm really annoying this podcast. You're not annoying at all. Uh, Believe in yourself. Uh, I don't. All God, I'm just like Mia. Um, <laughs> That's no, we're, look, any- we're gonna pick Sarah. We're gonna pick you up outside your house, 8 a.m. We're gonna drive to the audition. Don't okay. stop for coffee. <laughs> I'll bring coffee. No, what did I just say? No, okay. Uh, I never thought any of the times I saw this that her show looked good, nor that we thought we were supposed to like think it was good secretly. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Emma Stone is is pretty much a little alien ball of charisma. Yeah. And yeah. I can totally see the argument that if one person on a whim came to that show who had some influence and they saw her like be totally charming in a shitty play they would be like yeah let's give her a shot at an audition um and then that audition was totally weird i mean i that that movie sounds completely bonkers i don't know why they decided to phrase it that way two years later she's the the most famous person in the universe from that movie well i i would five years i would assume it's because she's done at least two other movies since then i didn't think it was because of that one. well but it would be two years before that movie came out right and there's and so then if she got cast because of that movie, it'd be two years for that to come out. Oh, well, well no, no, not necessarily. Well, she could have done another movie with the same like, crew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. with the same crew. So yeah, no I one mean, knows that she's good yet. We, we don't know like what the deal is with how her career trajectory went other than like, well. But my, what I was going to say is like that, that audition scene, though, still totally works because you haven't seen her act up until that point, which is a very strange choice in the movie. But hmm. then she gets this one really huge moment that I do think is totally compelling, regardless of what you think of like her singing voice. I, I think it's really mesmerizing to watch her. Oh, sure, scene. yeah. And, and if I during your audition somebody sung it. an improvised song and had and like you in the watching the audition chair were swirling around her as darkness engulfed her except for a solo spotlight. Yeah, right. If if her singing could cue lighting changes in the scene, holy shit. Yeah, that like, would I'm be a casting great that person, yeah. whatever. But I, I, probably I, the gaffers would hate her. I I like your point that like in the fiction Emma Stone is just so charismatic that even if a play is bad, because yeah. like honestly, if I was just at that podi when I saw her request, I ran and like her act out that and oh, dance. Yeah. yeah, I would yeah. be like, we got to get that girl in a movie. Oh, she for is sure. so yeah. incredibly like I don't know, like she's so good in this beautiful movie. Yeah. and charming and like magnetic and you always look at her first when she's on the screen and that like to me carries so much of of the movie like 
just with I her. Totally, they really lucked out with getting her to do I this. totally agree. I do wonder... So I'm going to I want to try to transition a little bit now because you've been worried about being annoying, but I think maybe you were just projecting and that I'm <laughs> annoying right now. So I'm going <laughs> to switch it up from me complaining because I really did like it this time. Those are my like overarching complaints. Um, but so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune that down now. But one thing I was wondering from watching this movie is it's got to suck to be an actor uh, like Emma Stone where you get cast in a movie where you have to go do a bunch of bad auditions as the scenes. Yeah. Like how like you finally get the part and they're like you're like what's the scene and they're like it's you going to auditions and not getting the part. Like that just has to be heartbreaking. Plus those audition scenes were something really weird when they're actually auditioning, right? <laughs> Have, yeah. have you guys ever seen the, the, the Mr. Hall of Mirrors? Yeah, the Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> have you guys seen the Mr. Show sketch? Uh, can I use this chair? I think is what it's called. Or yeah, uh, yeah, the audition. The audition. Uh, have you seen that? No. It's, no. He's doing a monologue at an audition of a guy doing an audition, and so he's like, he comes in and asks if he can use the chair, and they're like, yes, and he's like, no, 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 oh. this is the that's the monologue. Don't respond. And then it just gets more and more specific where the monologue is him saying like, you there in the blue shirt, and they're like, me, and he's like, no, stop, you ruined it. That was the monologue. <laughs> anyway, it's, a, it's a great Hall of Mirror sketch about that, but I just got to think how sad, great. how sad Emma has to be doing bad auditions for a living after she succeeded. And those were true stories. Like, those auditions, they got them from the people on the movie. Oh, really? Like, the Oof. one where she gets interrupted crying because someone wants lunch. It was one of Ryan Gosling's auditions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that doesn't They were all, me like, all. their personal experiences. <laughs> I mean, think about so the, depressing. the yeah. actresses who were playing the other redheads in white shirts, right? In that yeah. movie. Like, they got oh. that role and then had to go and audition for another movie. Like, right afterwards, probably, right? Like yeah. they, they went to an audition, filmed being at an audition, and then they're like, well, that's my gig for the day. I guess I'm going to go to another audition. Oh, God, that sucks. Like, think about that. Like, yeah. Oh, that life nightmare. sounds so sad. I, yeah. I do, I guess my, my, this is like, my message to people, I think, who are not from LA, who want to do art, is that I, I just want people to make art like regardless of whether or not you're there because that whole thing about auditioning that she's auditioning constantly is like she could have been making really cool theater in another city yeah and Mm -hmm. if you really love acting and you love the art of theater go make theater and if you like writing things you can just write things you can go do weird like we we just saw this really cool weirdo theater production here in portland uh by theater vertigo that does these like uh, this like 15 seat theaters and does just we just saw this crazy horror play that was just so interesting and these incredible actors doing amazing theater that are doing it and making art and I just want you to make that instead of just always being in LA begging for permission to act in a huge movie and be famous just go make art and do a show I mean that that's an interesting uh point because I, I was thinking about this when we were watching the movie last night about uh like this and Whiplash, you know, both by Damon mm-hmm. Giselle, are very interesting, different takes on the same. Like one is this very cynical, uh, like dark kind of almost horror story about like sacrificing everything, yeah, uh, to be great. And this is like a bittersweet version of that same, like, but the same premise. Like, if you want to follow your dreams, you can't have everything. You have to give things up. Yeah. Right, and it's it's especially when you look at someone who is thirty two and it's been this successful, and like wh- it feels like a and, very personal and you can kind of tell from the way the movies are that he's probably not great at talking to other people, especially women. He's he is divorced, married. apparently. Oh, no, he's divorced. Oh, really? 
Oh, shit. There, there it is. Younger than I, me, I already divorced. Date. I didn't see the divorce date. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, Anthony. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just, I'm just assuming he spent a lot of time explaining jazz to his wife, and that didn't. That's why it didn't work out. Uh, that's probably he went to Harvard. Man, I'm. He this wrote, is tough to like him. <laughs> he wrote ten Cloverfield Lane Grand Piano. Uh, oh, Grand Piano is great. If you guys haven't, yeah, he's he is so fucking it's talented. Insane. It's upsetting. It is so upsetting how talented Damien Chazelle is. Yeah. Uh, but- but it's it's just like uh like it's it's a very these two films are very interesting companion pieces because they they are really about the same sort of idea of like uh, about people who don't want to settle in you know or not settle but like be in a smaller city in a different market it's really about this like end all dreamer to like really have something specific that you want and like what the the sadness that's gonna come along with that to get your dreams sometimes you know and like. It's just really interesting. Uh, that's super interesting, but I do think that for most people, I, I, I don't like that dichotomy that it's either you uh, destroy everything in your life in order to be the best piano player ever, or you give up and just get married and be boring in, in Southern Nevada. I feel like there's a middle ground where you like piano and you play piano because you like it and you make art for people who like your art, and that that is a really great part of the earth, and, and people aren't doing that in Damien Chazelle's world because he... As a person born in 1985 um, and uh, already achieving everything, doesn't believe that it's possible for someone to be important who didn't go to Harvard and didn't. Man, he got divorced really young. Anyway, um, anyway, all those things. You know, this is what I'm saying. Just go. I just want people to go make art. Go play piano and and play jazz and listen to jazz because you love jazz, not like because you're eventually one day going to open a restaurant. Well, in real life, I think that's a totally valid viewpoint. <laughs> But these are also movies, and both of his major movies have been, in some ways, about like the artifice that goes into making a movie. Yeah. And you have to have outsized characters with outsized ambitions if you're going to do like a movie, movie like. Also, that. if you're and if you're 32 and you never had so any life experience, you have to talk about the process of trying to be famous because that's all you've ever done. See, I'm being annoying. I mean, you said maybe. you were being annoying. Yeah. I'm clearly the annoying one here. I mean, this is this is you are very You're salty all here. Annoying. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I, but I I don't know if his like, I don't know. I I guess I don't think about his personal life experiences when I watch this movie. I don't either. I was I genuinely I just surprised to find out he was so young when. Um, okay, so here's another reason why I love this movie, guys. The first time I saw it afterwards, there was a surprise Q and A with him and the composer and Ryan Gosling. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh shit! Holy shit, how'd you... Yeah. Okay, so here's a fun thing about LA. Um, you know, in... Uh, just one fun thing. Uh, you know how movies sometimes are like select cities, the state, then everywhere, the state? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, LA is the select city, mm-hmm. and oftentimes it's even a week before that date. So in Los Angeles, La La Land came out the first week of December, and it was at the Arclight Cinerama Dome, which is this big like huge panoramic screen in a giant beautiful dome in um, LA and I went and saw it that like first night it was there and uh, right before the show this theater has people come out and like tell you about the movie before it starts which is very funny and this person came out and they're like afterwards we're gonna have a QA and a with some of the people of the movie and then it turned out to be all these people and it was really really fascinating yeah that's pretty great yeah and then I was like oh 
Damien Chazelle as a baby. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I had no idea. But I didn't get the sense watching the movie that it was like made by someone whose only experiences had been of success. Yeah. That's just me being salty. But I, I guess, so before oh. we move on, I do want to, that, that's really cool. And I, but I want, we have to get going, but I have two quick things that I want to make sure we cover is I want you to talk more about the costumes, Sarah, because we, oh, you yes. teased that about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> I teased ago. it so hard. <laughs> you guys have been patient. I can talk about that now or I can talk about it later since I've just recently been talking very much. No, not enough. More oh. talking. More, do it. If you want to. Uh, well, I love costumes. I'm obsessed with costume design and this one is especially beautiful. I'm like totally a sucker for bright colors. It's one of the reasons why I love old musicals is because they use that hyper saturated color palette to show off color. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why part of the reason why this movie feels so vintage is because it pushes that color scheme so hard. Um, but the costume designer, her name is Mary Zofries. She's pretty great. She also consciously picked stuff that they would actually wear so she made stuff that was within um the budget of what these characters would actually have um like most of mia's dresses are custom built because they're made of special fabric that looks great when you dance right um and that's why she wears dresses i know there's like a weird argument out there that it's not cool for her to wear dresses for so much of this movie is because she's dancing and it looks it gives movement to dance yeah Um, but, uh, also there's cool stuff. Like she made one of the dresses by finding a $5 H and M top and finding a vintage skirt and sewing them together. (laughs) Like there's cool stuff like that, like tricks they use to make it look like a real person's wardrobe that actually like put it together with thought on a budget. So if if you're, I think that's like really incredible. If you had the budget of her working at a coffee shop and an incredibly talented seamstress working full-time on adjusting things for you, you could actually achieve her work. Yes. Wait, but did, oh, she did make totally costumes, though, right? For her... Did she make... Didn't uh, Emma Stone make costumes for her play? Like, was she actually... She made sets. I don't think we ever saw her, like, oh, okay. make costumes, because it seemed like she was mostly wearing, like, a... Like, a suit and then, like, a skirt and a blouse. Right. Yeah. Mm. But uh, that is really cool. I like that a lot. And I we also... Uh, we're talking about how uh, the colors change when they're in the relationship, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting and it's something that I definitely would not have noticed, but when somebody pointed out, it makes sense. And is a really, yeah. Color theory is so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's really uh, it really is. And this one pushes it so, so much because it also deploys blue in a really careful way, which is like a color that most movies have to be careful with because it's so strongly attached to like memory and sentimentality in the Western mindset. Mm. So this movie like pushes that perfectly when I have her in that beautiful blue dress when she first meets Sebastian his club is all blue at the end um and it's used very sparingly in between if I remember um also that is some fun stuff with I think green during the fight scene also um mm-hmm. like there's like a, a very strong like green gradient to it I think there's like a green light in the like between them and that's also like something they did in terms of, I guess uh, uh I guess framing and like the um in the edit like that was one of the I think the few scenes where it's like that had like I think the most cuts basically. Also, they're just going back and forth mm-hmm. between the two, as opposed to like framing them in like a uh, together in like a two shot. So like for most of the time when they're actually getting along well, you see them both together in the frame, and for this one, they're like rapidly cutting back and forth uh, onto like uh, single shots. So it's like it kind of gives like a disjointed like kind of like a like faster feel. Um, I think the the green uh, they have kind of also makes you feel a little like uneasy as well. That's very clever, yeah. and it definitely like even though I didn't notice that, I feel like that stuff does convey emotionally to people who aren't aware of it and i it was super cool and i really liked it and i'm sorry i was so salty 
<laughs> you can be salty. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think both, of both these reactions are, are, much are real. Saltier. Well, right. I mean, this movie has inspired weird levels of, of hatred. Yeah. Some of it I understand, and some of it really confuses me. Well, that's me. the other thing that we that I just want to address briefly before we move on, which is that we might well, be fascist I, for watching it. Well, Alex, move fast. Before we get into that, I just want to say, you know, about being salty, like... It's okay to be salty because, you know, that's why they called him the Bode because he was really salty. Uh, he, he, he took some bad advice once, so he came. Okay, so, explain, now, so salty. explain your joke now to the rest of the world because you explained it to me already. Oh, yeah. In, uh, in Whiplash and this, this both scenes when they explain how he got the nickname Bode, the famous jazz uh, musician. Oh, yeah. And Charlie two Parker, yeah. different... <laughs> Charlie Poker, the two different versions, but both characters in Whiplash and this use like what that is as like the a metaphor for their driving force. Yeah, you know, oh. like chicken on a stick is like that's why they called him the bird. That's why I want to be. And in that one, it's like someone threw a symbol at his head, and he decided to become the best player in the world. Right? Yeah. So it was like the it's way a little he joke used- for Damien by Damien. Yeah, or yeah. or it's gonna be like like a calling code. What if in all of his movies he pits like a character mentions a different way the guy got the name? Oh yeah, like, it's, like, it's like the like the like you want to know how I got my scars? Kind of like monologue. Yeah, yeah. From, uh, yeah. Or like his his you know he doesn't do a cameo, but he pits in a specific line in all of his. Oh, and I just right. I think that's way, a really cute little Easter egg. The in way that Quentin movie. Tarantino shows up in his movies and uses the N word. That's what yeah. <laughs> Damien Giselle's going to do. Mm, so fun. What a fun guy, that Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> really got a light sense of humor. So speaking of oh, light, we, we cool. are fascist for watching this uh, or for liking it or for the awards winning. The, I, I think a huge part of the pushback is just that it is getting an absurd number of awards. Yeah, like, that's always I, annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good, but it's I don't is it the best movie that's ever been made, which is what the awards are sort of suggesting. Um I can see why there'd be pushback against that. And so some people take it in the direction of like nitpicking things like I was doing, and some people are concerned that it's intentionally pushing the the academy intentionally promoting this movie of uh white people saving jazz over more qualified movies made by black people, right? I mean, it's more summary? of Hollywood pushing a movie about Hollywood, right? Yeah, well, which so is always I, done. Yeah. That part is but, for sure. Uh, but I think, is, but but it, to be fair to the argument, I guess, is that it's also doing the other thing this time around. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, I think that's honestly just terrible timing, and that does make me feel really bad about it. Because, yeah. like, I do think it's really cool that there's movies like Moonlight this year that are, like, yeah. deservedly getting so much attention and praise. And it does suck when there's, like, a monolith that, like, kind of affects the conversation about these other equally great, if not absolutely better movies. Mm-hmm. And that does make it a bummer. And I do think that's just 100% timing. I don't think there's any way Damien Chazelle knew when he was making this movie that these other awesome movies... Oh, he knew. He knew full well. He, he's pushing his white agenda. Uh, or, like, you know, that we were going to have, like, a goddamn Trump presidency. Like, yeah, right. the people making these movies were making them years ago. These have been right. in he started this, He started years. writing this 10 years ago when he was... Yeah. <clears throat> 21 um moonlight has been in production for a few years like all of these movies they're not instant products they're not absolutely reactionary to today's times but it sucks that they are now going to be all like pitted against each other by the nature of award shows that's the weirdest thing right go ahead yeah i I mean just please you know i think anthony's got it oh no i just wanted to mention that if you 
how like if they had just like switched the casting of John Legend and Ryan Gosling, right? Yeah, none of this would have been an issue. Well, that's really uh, yeah, interesting. And also, uh, I mean, well, it's and, still... and it comes up with this and not Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Oh, people definitely complained about like, it in Whiplash. Um, that it was. I feel like I didn't hear about it as. Yeah, because it wasn't as big of a movie, right? Yeah, I mean, not true. not. There wasn't like the like favorite to win, uh, like fourteen the Oscars. Best picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I just say like I I noticed sometimes when like a couple. So these are two like smaller films basically that like managed to break out, and it's so weird to like to pit them against each other. Like it's like oh, it's like either or where it's like there can like kind of only be like it's weird. Like some categories they only get like. We only get one, right? Like it's like you can only have like 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 one like pop star that you like who's like a woman, right? Or like um yeah, like it, it's just it's like this kind of arbitrary like um like uh, making us choose, but it's like it's not that's not a real. It's not a competition in my yeah. mind. Like mm-hmm. just yeah. because I love this movie doesn't mean I also don't love other movies, or even that I love it with blinders on. I think the like white cast is a big problem in this movie that doesn't acknowledge the diversity of Los Angeles, let alone the world, right? Right. Yeah. And the jazz world. Well, although from yeah. a jazz standpoint, and especially the jazz world. From a jazz standpoint, it's kind of interesting because John Legend's like little spiel about jazz, which is a really insulting way to describe it, is um but it, his his theory of jazz <laughs> is right. Like I think John Legend says the only correct and like all of uh, Ryan Gosling's thing about jazz are not right. Like he's he's obnoxious and I think wrong about a lot of stuff. And I think John Legend had like a way better point, and so it'd be really like I I wanted I would way rather have seen like John Legend's character running this, uh, and 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 that would have been such an interesting movie. But yeah, and also then we would have gotten John Legend, like Anthony, you saying that like switching that casting. I'm now like dreaming yeah. about this whole other. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Also great. Man. Yeah, and like Ryan Gosling walks by, and John Legend's like, "Fuck Keith." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break, and then we have to close up. It's time for a lightning right. bonus round. Lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. We're going into lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. Here we go. We gotta finish this shit up. So lightning bonus round. Uh, our question this week uh, for the panel and for everybody at home is: if uh, if Damien Chazelle was making a musical, or anybody really was making a modern day musical about your hometown instead of about Los Angeles, what would that musical be? Uh, and what, what would it be like? And uh, we got some amazing answers. So if you guys want to think on yours and i'll come back to you or if you want to go first either way is good for me I, i'll start actually because i was trying to have a hard time figuring out so i grew up in reno nevada and i was having trouble thinking about what it would be and then my sister pointed out uh sister act sister act takes place in reno and uh it does? Yeah, she's a lounge singer in reno i mean she goes to san francisco for the oh. nunning but she's from reno so <laughs> that would be a yeah just sister act that's the name of our musical <laughs> not not sister act two back in the habit that is where it goes really Really lost all the integrity of that. First Are they no film. longer in Reno? Like at any point? I don't. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, that uh, what's as what, you grew up in? Uh... Yeah. So um. So in in uh, like Marin County. So like like um like Northern California. Um. I mean, San Simón, my my hometown specifically, was really known for. Uh, I would say like 
a lot of Thai restaurants and also antique shops. Oh man, I I do like a rest, uh, like so, a musical that takes place in a lot of Thai restaurants. Yeah, so maybe like like maybe I call like old bowls and noodles, maybe or something. Like that. <laughs> That's like, not a great name for a musical, but <laughs> well, it's a it's it's. The first time we've had that name, so maybe maybe it turns out that's. I mean, it's very on theme. <laughs> it could be. I guess. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'm really looking forward to that hit breakout musical number, Pad C U. Ah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I really like. I like that idea. Uh, Back at me, uh, Anthony. You're from. You're from here, right? From Portland. Yeah. So I mean, it would be like a, a musical uh, about people from California giving up on the dreams to move up here <laughs> and, and buy a big house. With, yeah, buying all that big house and raising property values, and you know, saying my dream of just wanting to have a small thing is weird, and I should dream bigger. <laughs> go down to L.A. Uh, I, I love it, Sarah. You're from, the- Sarah, you're from the Seattle area, but not Seattle proper. Oh yeah, I'm from the suburbs. Yeah. I'm from a. a- Small suburb about half an hour, 45 minutes east called Sammamish. Sammamish. And Sammamish's musical would definitely be a bunch of moms in the Safeway uh, <laughs> circling their carts around each other while they talk about what their kids have been up to. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that. Because and I look- every time I go home, that's all that happens. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And you could do such a good song where it's like uh, yeah. rhyming with Sammamish. And then... oh. Uh, Good luck. Sa- sandwich? <laughs> you could no. Well, you do like it was. Um, you guys know the seventeen seventy six musical. Yeah. Are you familiar? So there's a song with General Lee where they he uses his name Lee, but also has the uh, ending of the word uh, definitely oh. right a bunch of times. So it'd be sort of like that oh. with Sammamish. They'd be like. Uh, how are you feeling? I am grand ish, and they do a bunch of ishes. I think uh, a lot of ishes to yeah, rhyme with it. That would be really fun. Be so clever, and then and then an overhead camera shot of like a synchronized swimming style, but with grocery carts in Safeway. <gasps> uh, I'm <laughs> That'd be in. pretty cool. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it'd be Whole Foods, not Safeway. Well, it's oh no, it's a Safeway. It's a <laughs> Please oh, really? let me tell you what is yeah. in my hometown. There's okay. only one Sarah, little Sammamish tiny shopping area in in my tiny tiny town, and uh, that's a, it's a there's a Safeway. And then the, recently they put in a Trader Joe's. Oh, wow. oh. I, actually, my tiny tiny town as like the opening number. I yeah. like, I like a lot yeah. actually. Uh, and I, there's man. just like and there's one verse that's about the people smoking pot behind the dumpsters behind the Safeway. <laughs> oh yeah, <coughs> bad kids. <laughs> so it's, it's all really taking place around the Safeway then, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's musical. downtown Sammamish. It's like the mis- the musical. <laughs> Yeah. I uh, am, I'm so into this, and we got a million great responses from people, and I'm only going to be able to re- read a few of them. Um, but uh, I'm just going to dive into a couple of them. This is kind of a similar area. We got some other Washington people. So Treasure says I live in uh, in Bellingham, which is similar to Portland, oh, but less yeah. weird and more outdoorsy. I suspect our musical would be about skiing, fairies, the boat, not the magical creatures, kombucha, and some sort of fountain scene where everybody splashes around in the unfluoridated water. Which, I like that. Bellingham is great. It's beautiful. And I also like fairy. I was doing a show in Seattle last week and they were like, sorry, we have to start the show early because a lot of our people here are fairy people. And uh, oh. I was like, I don't think you're allowed to say that. And they were like, no, it's cool. You know, they know who they are. And I was like, I don't, definitely don't think you can say that. Uh, and what they meant was people who take the ferry home after work. Uh. And I was so awkward about it because I didn't realize those are real people. But uh, fairy people take the ferry. 
Uh, let's see what else. Uh, also in the area, Scott says uh, a musical about Tacoma would have lots of great hip hop mm. and a huge grudge against Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> I can see Tacoma's why you'd have that. On the up grudge. and up now. It there's yeah. some, there's well, some really cool stuff there. Yeah, it has a great art scene, and also yeah. because rent prices are so high in Seattle because <coughs> of the tech industry, everyone's moving to Tacoma and raising property values there. <laughs> Once we ruin the that, we'll cy- move on to the next thing. The cycle yeah, of life we'll continues. we'll go down to squim. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, That's man, a really had... great joke for me. <laughs> I know. I, I have some squim stories. Um, oh, good. Squim tales? <laughs> Squim, Squim Tales, the musical. Uh, let's go east. Yeah. Let's see what people are doing on the east coast. Uh, Mechanicsville, Virginia. This is uh, Claude. Says they'd sing the song of mayo. They'd line dance to the libretto of fried foods. They'd hoist their Trump signs with a loud wahoo. And then at the end of the song, someone would accidentally get shot. Oh, God. <laughs> fun. Fun town, seems like. Surprise ending. Mechanicsville. Um <laughs> We got a couple where people didn't actually say the town, so I had to. Ju- I have to like imagine. So Ellen said, uh, "You'd leave as quickly as you could, and you'd have to drop back in in from time to time to love your family and decide why they still stay there." Hmm. Uh, yeah. Which I'm gonna guess inertia could be anywhere. That's a lot of small towns. Um, Tallahassee, Florida. Could be Florida. It was definitely somewhere in Florida. Amy uh, said, but uh, boring, but that's because it's winter in Maine. Did you know that May- Mainers don't sing? True fact. Did you guys know that? I didn't know. No. Um, I, know I, I know one Maynard who definitely sings. Uh, who? The lead singer of Tool, Maynard. <laughs> oh. That was a good joke. I'm sorry. I didn't I get it. I was, I the only manner I know is Joyce Maynard, but I don't know if she sings or not. I, uh, I yeah. just I just love when, like, none of you got Maynard. <laughs> I was trying to think. Was, the only thing I could think of was, like, Leonard Maynard. That's not his name. Uh, Amy also said she uh, unfairly hates La, La Land because uh, anytime beautiful people are in love, it makes me want to smack them. Aww. This is a tough life, Amy. I'm sorry. Beautiful people find love it, all the though. time. All the time. It's so easy for them. (laughs) It seems like most things are easy for them. Yes. Only while they stay beautiful, though. And then we turn on them. Yeah. Well, just the women. Uh, Men can be ugly. Men can be ugly, and it just gives them character. Yeah, that's just a CBS sitcom right there. (laughs) Emily says, uh, do they have a musical about growing up in New York? That seems like a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Someone should make that. (laughs) That's a totally good idea. Uh, let's see. Uh, St. Paul would be uh, infinitely better than this movie. Okay. Judgy. Um, most of the people who... <laughs> so I like that you get to judge for being judgy. I know. That I, seems like I a fun place like, Oh, I don't have any right for that. <laughs> oh, no. I'm the pot. I'm the pot. <laughs> I hate when I have that realization. <laughs> anyway, St. Paul would be definitely better than this movie. Uh, mostly the people would be really cool, but sadly no one would be able to get a decent taco. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, I I do have to give it to Los Angeles for that one. Oh, the yeah. Midwest has a lot better food in general than Los Angeles, but our taco game cannot be touched. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's some, I mean, I think LA is an up-and-coming food scene, right? It's getting a lot more... It's getting better. I mean, all the all the Asian food and all the Mexican food has always been pretty outstanding. And uh, this is how disrespected they are as a food town. Uh, there are no Michelin stars in Los Angeles. Nope. That's no. true. The, Mich- the Michelin That's Guide does not rate true. Los Angeles. They do huh. not come here. Or Portland. Um, 
Uh, oh. Uh, I uh, I know a restaurateur from here who has a, has a restaurant here, same restaurant in Los Angeles, same one in New York, got a Michelin star for the one in New York, and he's like only kind of happy about it because the other two places were like, he's like, I've done this restaurant three times, they just don't care about the West Coast. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, it yeah. took them so long to come to Chicago because they're like, oh, surely nothing will be good in the Midwest. Yeah. It was so rude. Did you guys see, oh man, we don't have time for this. Did you guys see the story about the accidental Michelin star last week? Um, the Michelin Guide published a Michelin star for a like a small roadside diner in uh, in France that had the same name as a really fancy restaurant in Paris. Oh, cool! And so it's like this little diner that's like it's like eight dollar lasagna is like their big thing, and uh, it just got flooded with all these tourists over a three day period, and they're like, we don't know why everyone's here, but everyone like loved it because it was like eight dollars and the food was pretty good. And they'd been told it was worth a Michelin star. And then they're like, oh, actually, we're sorry. We'll take that down. This star belongs to this place that serves like $90 crab toenails. And uh, boo. That's <laughs> really, this is a really cute story. A uh, couple more. Let's go to Canada. Uh, your mom on Twitter says, Ottawa, no, not Toronto, is the tale of a girl who eventually kills the tall younger sister who always overshadows her. <laughs> Music is terrible punk. Lyrics are desperate. Toronto is played by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I like it. Uh, oh, let's see if you. This one ends with the city name exclamation point. Let's see if you can guess. <gasps> Sophia. Oh my people in bat costumes sing about gentrification and tacos. Venue is a park. Everyone goes home covered in fire ant bites. Oh, I, I, you I had me until fire ant bites. What's the city? Is it like Austin? It's Austin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> get it. <laughs> you win. You win so hard. That was amazing. Because uh, I, I know about their bat migration. Yeah, it's so famous. So many famous bats. Uh, and now we also yeah. know about fire ants. Um, yeah, that's less fun. <laughs> uh, Brighton, the musical, would be about a plucky couple opening retro clothing shop slash tattoo parlor battling big tattoo next door. So it's kind of like oh. um, You've Got Mail, but about tattoo parlors. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, shop around the corner. Yeah, that's yeah. from Allie. Uh, oh, uh, in the good old summertime. <laughs> Quick, name a different adaptation of that musical. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle? Oh, uh, she loves me. There are so many versions of that same musical. Yeah, good point. Uh, Patrick right, on well, Twitter, good, good Midland, Michigan, home of Dow Chemical, an entire population ignoring the fact that they live on the edge of a super fun site. Music by Daft Punk, words by Toby Keith. <laughs> oh, oh really what? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't it be surprising if Daft Punk took off their helmets and it was just two Toby Keiths? <laughs> Man, we would not. That's not the most that. surprising thing that could have been. Guys, though. I don't want to like ruin this for anyone, but Daft Punk is like you. Their their identities are well known, and you can look up what they look no, like. No, no, no one knows. <laughs> There's never been a secret about who they are. People just chose to believe that. I so it is a secret. So here's the thing: they are concealing their identities. If I don't look. That's true. So I'm keeping yeah. this. This is a well kept secret from myself. Yeah, and you know, like magicians don't like really hide how they do their tricks either. You know, I just try not to find exactly. them out. Exactly. You know? Got to yeah. keep the magic alive for yourself at a certain point. You know, <laughs> mm. uh, at a certain point, magic is your own personal responsibility to keep exactly. alive in your That's life. That's what I'm doing oh. with that. That's punk. intense. Keeping, yeah. I think they could be bug people or two Toby Keiths. That's, those are the only options, though. High. Nothing else. Baron on Twitter says, Quarries, sheep, cider, and the horrific brutality of the 17th century English judicial system. No guesses as to what that is. I'm not even going to make us guess. It could be Austin again. Who knows? Is it Daft Punk? Could be Daft Punk. Uh, 
Man, some of these are super sad, too. I'm skipping most of the sad ones. I appreciate that, you guys, but hmm. Um, Tim says, focused on our waterfall, the world's smallest natural one. Maybe evil developers in a bikini fundraiser to save it? Hashtag Newington. Newington. Newington uh, waterfall, the smallest natural one. It seems like a lie because water just like dribbles off rocks all the time. Hmm. Yeah. How can you ever be... become a waterfall? Yeah, exactly. That's a weird. You have to define it, and then you're just defining. That's that's the first song actually for that musical. Oh, okay. I'll oh see. yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you define a waterfall? The Newington story. Uh, yeah. It's called Mill Pond Falls, and it's in Newington, Connecticut. And it's promoted by residents as the smallest natural waterfall in the United States, which is Wikipedia's sassy way of saying it. That's probably not what it is. <laughs> that's sort of like the Reno thing, like the right. The, that's not an official title. No. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's I don't know. I, it's grown a lot. It was a bit during uh, during the late uh, the nineties, and so it's very possible it's the smallest large town now. It's hard to tell. Oh. <laughs> really screws up the sign, but. Uh, all right, we gotta get done. There's so many other good ones. Thank you, everyone who wrote these in, and I love I love hometown musicals because I lo- and I especially learning about places I didn't know that much about. Uh, you can play lightning bonus round. Go to Facebook.com/slash/readweep or on Twitter at read underscore weep or join join the the weekly weep uh, read weep.com Sign up for the mailing list, and you can play along each week. Coming up uh, now, it's time for the minor compliment. So we're gonna go in reverse order. So Anthony, you're first. What's your last nice thing you're gonna say about La, La Land f- to us? Um. I, I really like the ending of this movie. Yeah, guys. tell me why you like the ending uh, so much. So the uh, ending is, I, is uh, they get off the freeway, and like every other moment in this woman's life, she happens to be walking by a place where uh, Ryan Gosling is playing piano. She <laughs> goes inside, and then they do a dream sequence of what their life could have been like together. Um, and then she leaves. Well, then they both like... <laughs> I man, why didn't they just have you telling it? It feels like like the, all the magic was intact from that that sequence when you just told it. Yeah, I'm not a be a, if you want to be a reductive I mean, dick about it, Alex, yeah, that's only one way to sum it up. <laughs> I was just trying to catch people up without taking too much time. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, I just the the way like it reframes the movie as like this this musical about people trying to make it and it, you know things fall apart and they get what they want. Like rather than be like a big overly happy sentimental ending like most movies i generally feel would end with them at the like uh observatory being like we'll see where it goes from here but instead he decides to like elevate it to being like what the story is actually about is like following your dreams you're gonna have these what ifs right you're gonna have these things these things you have to give up and it's just this really beautiful way of like again giving like you a little another overture of all the music you've heard through the film this really great happy retelling of the story, but at the end, like they both smile at each other because they both got exactly what they wanted. You know, they just didn't get this one part of it. It's, I just think it's a really touching, moving ending. I feel like trading. It's so beautiful. I mean, I like her career, but trading, uh, trading in Ryan Gosling for the guy from Sports Night is just such a weird move. Oh, but call him by his given name. That thing you do. <laughs> I like to go with dead men on campus, but uh, that's just me. Uh, <laughs> also his name. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, is he actually, he might not even be in Sports Night. Is he in Sp- I think he, he looks like the Sports Night guy, but I could be wrong. He has a Sports Night face. <laughs> I don't think it is the same dude. After I said it, I like, got really uh, like less confident in it. I was so sure that was him until I said it out loud. Oh, that's okay, buddy. Oh man, I I don't know who it actually is, so I can't correct you. 
Is it? And I I don't know the character name, so I can't. Yeah, it's hard. It's oh, it's. I don't think he has a name. His name is. I think he is husband who is not Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, it's Mia's mom, Mia's daughter. It, uh, so it's uh, his name is Tom Everett Scott, and uh, he is definitely not who I was thinking of. The guy from Sports <laughs> Night is somebody else entirely. Uh, that thing you do is a way funnier <laughs> thanks, night. Thanks, faces. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um. So my minor compliment. Um. I actually have a few things left that I like, but I, I, I mentioned this briefly, and I, I think it's really cool, is John Legend's little speech about jazz, where he's like, stop trying to make jazz exactly what it was during this one snapshot. The thing, like, Thelonious Monk would not listen to Thelonious Monk now. Like, Thelonious Monk, if you were alive today, would be pushing the art in a new direction. That was what was cool about jazz, and you're trying to make the snapshot of a specific time in jazz instead of pushing it forward. We're doing this cool new music. And I actually thought that was a really interesting... Uh, I think that's a really cool point. And I I do think it's weird that uh, Ryan's trying to preserve this one moment in jazz instead of like making his own new jazz. I thought it was cool. And I like that John Legend got to be yeah. right about jazz. And especially because that scene yeah. where Ryan is explaining jazz to his girlfriend and talking about how important it is that you don't use jazz as background music, you actually listen to it over the jazz being played. Like the fact that he's doing that lecture about not talking over jazz over jazz is so weird that they made that decision so to have somebody in the movie who actually seems smart about jazz i really liked um also if we hadn't had those like that like reaction shot of like uh emma stone not liking like the the music in the concert like i think we probably could have played this like oh yeah that's a good song that john legend put together well Well, they put that song in the trailers now like that's the one that they're currently pushing the trailers with which i it did make me laugh because in the context of the movie, I don't think we're supposed to like that perfectly good song. It was totally yeah. good. And yeah. and I actually liked, it, although this is weird, when he goes into the studio session, the song they're playing sounds nothing like the song they play on stage later. So I don't know if that was just like a fun joke that John Legend was playing on him. But that thing they did in the studio actually sounds like some music that I listened to and I liked it. And... uh I liked the idea of them playing that kind of like jazz with some modern hip hop influences. And then I also liked the music they were playing with John Legend. Like not as I liked the monk he was playing too, but like I anyway, I just wish he was like it seemed like a guy who could like like more music, but he's just only the one thing. Yeah. I mean this is this is sort of like this false dichotomy. Like you can both like old jazz and new yeah, jazz. Totally. Right? Yeah. And you can get two kinds of well, music that you enjoy. More importantly, totally fine. how did he not get her a VIP ticket to see him play? She was just in general admission. Yeah, rude. You're you're that, in the okay, band. yeah. No, she should have dumped him a while ago. <laughs> yeah. You're That's at, a red flag. You get privileges. Yeah. So maybe his other girlfriend is backstage. Like you mm-hmm. you get to <laughs> invite her on into the green room at least where there's free snacks. Like she's just standing in the crowd. Ugh, that's messed that up. Weird. Uh, the Ezra, what's your minor compliment? Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, good stuff left. Um, but I, I think my big thing. Oh shit! Let's see if I can pull it back. Where I, I had it a second ago, and now I lost it. Uh, scramble, scramble, scramble. All right. Still not happening. Yeah, no, no, no. you had lots of time, like, Ezra. Um, I can do this. I can do this. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. Did I say the Mickey Mouse Club thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. You can do it again. Dang. Okay. No, I got it. Here it goes. Um, the um, the key fob uh, bit of information. Okay. Yes. Um, so uh, at one point, um, 
Ryan Gosling's like, hey, Emma Stone, if you can't find your car because you're too far away, you can put your key fob oh, yeah. uh, like under your chin and uh, turns. And he says like, yeah, oh, but like it'll like it'll like magnify it and make it like a bigger range, but will also uh, give you cancer. The second part isn't true, but it will help actually. I so like I mean I've been doing that for years, and maybe it's because you told me that Ezra, but it's a thing that I believe. But I also have always assumed is not actually true. What I mean, right? That doesn't. That's not how antennas work, is it? Uh, most fobs use a frequency that resonates well with water, and the human brain is mostly water. That's what that's what IMDb says. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the best this, piece of information. I don't, it seems so made up. Every part of what you just said seems so made up, yet I 100% believe it. You know what actually it makes... Didn't, well, it wasn't made up by me, You at know least, what makes so. it go even okay. further uh, with your key fob? Is if you put it against a two-foot-tall souffle that's on fire... <laughs> very effective oh, what was it oh. um also as a side note of this great uh article uh in uh in in there's a radio station uh called kjzz sure uh which is pronounced kjazz which you have to say how it's actually pronounced otherwise you know, otherwise it problems. looks like cages it does look like cages that's a jazz station in, um uh, Emma Stone listened to, I guess, growing up. Supposedly in Boulder City. Uh, no, 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 like her actual Emma Stone, like not, not. Oh, Mia. okay. Um, KJZZ, yeah, it does look like cages. Um, <laughs> man, cages. Uh, that's in Phoenix. Uh, LA has a uh, KJazz as well. I think it's KXJZ. Is there's there's that well I think K there's a KJZ. No, KJZ oh, right. Right. All right, no one listens to radio anymore. That actually is. Good. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Sarah, that leaves you. What's your what's your last biggest thing, nicest thing to say about La La Land? So I hope you will accept this as a compliment. <laughs> I decided to bring this back around, back to a, a personal experience of watching it. I I am uh, normally skeptical of those, but I just let some real shady shit fly for Ezra, so you can have it. <laughs> Well, there's so many things that I love about the movie technically, and I feel like we've touched on all yeah, of them. You, so I don't you've been, yeah, you've made your love that. clear. I, yeah, I, I, I've talked a lot. But uh, so my husband and I moved to Los Angeles about a year and a half ago, and we are both like dreamers. We mm-hmm. moved here as a career decision. And so much of this movie like felt very true on a certain level to us. Like we've had some similar conversations about like, you know, work life balance, like how to actually believably achieve your dreams and career goals and like what we want to do out here. And while keeping sight of our relationship and like keeping track of what's important, which is people not necessarily like fame and fortune and acclaim. And, and you, that and you just guys, like rang so true to me. Do you guys uh, text? Huh? Yes, we do. We that talk. helps a lot. Yeah. Do you do you have a shared and I Google don't calendar? Make bullshit desserts. <laughs> we we don't because we just talk. Oh, okay. uh, but yeah, but it so so much of that rang true, and also a large chunk of this movie is filmed in my neighborhood. Um, so it also felt very accurate to like the Los Angeles that I know. Uh, it's so refreshing to see a version of LA that shows this real, genuine, beautiful part of the city, and not the Hollywood sign. And like Venice Beach, yeah, which are yeah. also great in their own way, but that's not what all of the city looks like. And it just felt so cool to me to see something that was both like affirming and inspirational to me as like 
an artist and to my husband as an artist and also like true of this version of the city that I know. And so it means a lot to me that way. Like it just, I just like cried for about an hour after the (laughs) first time I saw it because I was like so overwhelmed by all the feelings I was feeling. And a movie hasn't really made me feel like that in a long time. Man. So like deep, like can make you feel like deep things get like validation from your dad and also make you be a fascist. So like, this really it yeah, has I it know, all. Checking all of the boxes. <laughs> so many layers. <laughs> I've been looking for a good movie about my innate fascism. So. <laughs> Finally, but BT Dubs, I found what my actual compliment was going to be. Oh, okay. Um, the choreographer, his name is Mandy Moore. So for a while, I thought it was the yeah. other Mandy Moore. <laughs> um, uh, which I was telling people this, like, man, did you realize that Mandy Moore also did this? It's incredible. Um, so uh, one, haha, on me. Uh, but but two, also props to this Mandy Moore for not changing her name, despite there being a, a, another notable Mandy Moore. It's, uh, it's like, so like, funny. She could have stuck to Amanda, um, but she didn't. And. Uh, also, it's great because there's as well uh, on IMDb a Candy Moore and a Randy Moore, uh, and <laughs> I like all these people. This, so this is it's so funny to me that Sarah thought she wouldn't get away with saying the movie was filmed beautifully and showed important things in her life. When your compliment <laughs> is that Mandy Moore sounds like Randy Moore, uh, you know there was a little more than that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you also that said was, that was, she's the name of a famous person. That was the kicker on a well thought out joke that I couldn't think of. <laughs> all right that is it for our show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us uh we're gonna be back again next week next week we're talking about the expanse season two which is a sci-fi channel series based on the book series the expanse which uh uh, I originally got into because Chris wrote about it on the Weekly Weep, which is why you got to be on that Weekly Weep. It's good suggestions on there. But uh, it's the show just... You know why else you got to be on the Weekly Weep? So you can write in and tell Alex you misspelled something. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, spelled it right later on. Anyway, uh, and thank you to everybody who did send corrections this week. Uh, speaking of which, it's time for our corrections department. Yeah, I spelled some words wrong. That happened. Uh, you guys are all correct, and I've learned my lesson. Um... Don't dream. <laughs> Don't dream with an eye. Anyway, so uh, a couple of quick corrections still. Uh, other, well, not these aren't really corrections, but I'm calling it the corrections department. But Katrina wanted to know if they, if you're allowed to crowdfund the thousand dollars to force us to watch fifty or read Fifty Shades Freed. Ezra, what do you want to rule on that? Does crowdfunding count as the thousand dollars? Is it just about us getting a thousand dollars? Is the or is the point to be prohibitively expensive? Uh, I think the money was the point. Okay, then yes, definitely right. you can crowdfund $1,000. I just don't want to read it. I mean, I guess I wouldn't mind $1,000. You can $1, steal $1, it. I don't care how you get it. I mean, I care a little bit. But, you know, do make good choices, guys. I don't know. Um, also, uh, Anna Chandler wrote in to say that um, uh, I had mentioned in the Fifty Shades episode last week that I hate when Christian picks out dinner for Anna at restaurants because picking your own dinner is kind of a fun thing about being an adult. And uh, she said, "You're not wrong, but also, and also, it's important to remember that that's how Trump treats Chris Christie. It's a weird oh, power yeah. move. People ordering food for you. Can you I imagine do like it when they Christian, pay for me, though? Yeah, that would be nice. But can you imagine if Christian had ordered her meatloaf? <laughs> <laughs> that's like so uh, not sexy. Yeah, uh, for dinner, the lady will be having a sippy cup and uh, just some meatloaf off the kids' menu, French fries. 
Uh, That's actually very economical, though, for the record. Yeah, she, she's small. Yeah. She could probably live. How the rich menu. stay rich, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Buying you food off the kids' menu. Yeah. Um, I also like to think that the Trump and Chris Christie have some sort of a kinky sexual relationship. <laughs> oh, oh, Christie definitely got beads in him right now. If you know what I mean, man. <laughs> He'll piss on it, whoever he needs to. That's gross. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh, so uh, what? Sorry, sorry. I just said, oh boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh that boy. ain't a challenge oh joke in the same episode. Oh I'm worried my. somebody might listen to this. Um, yeah. And thank you to everybody who wrote in and uh, helped me with my, uh, validated me a little bit last week when I said my passive aggressive thing about how everyone was excited or was sad about Chris and Tanya leaving and not particularly excited about me staying. Um, that was just me being, uh, I was mostly kidding, but I do appreciate all of the validation anyway. You guys are great. Uh, and. Uh, Please stick around. And also, please follow up with our excellent guest this week, amazing guest. And actually, one of the things that I liked that we got a few people said, which I think is really important, is that it, um, I, mean, I, I should pull up the direct quote, but it was like, it seems like, Alex, it seems like you have a lot of really cool friends because everybody who's been on the show has been great. So thank you guys, as and Anthony, for being an amazing panel and for keeping coming back and doing the show because... Uh, mm-hmm. I I do feel lucky for having you as friends and that are and also to be so funny. People who have not funny friends, I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> yeah, get, get better friends, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and so follow them on Twitter at Anthony Lopez PT2. Anthony Lopez Part Two. Thanks for being here, buddy. Yeah, thank you for having me. At Ezra Fox, who doesn't tweet, but he's there. It's just a waste. It's a waste of a visit to go to that. And, uh, <laughs> guys, <just> <laughs> and also, uh, she makes art and writes theater for real and pays for her coffee not because they. Not because she wants to, but because she has to. At Sarah Hathaway on Twitter. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Do you, do you think that you if you were that famous, you'd, local you'd still buy uh, I, cappuccinos? Well, I don't think I would do it as like a power move, as the actresses in La La Land seem to do. A power I think move. I would do it so I could drink coffee and tip people well who are working a minimum wage job. Yeah, if you so, I mean, I get free coffee sometimes because I'm like you know locally famous and uh that's not really true but the brist i go to the same place and the brist gives me coffee sometimes um but uh if somebody's like you get this coffee for free and i already have money out i don't say oh no 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 i decide who pays for what i would just put that money in the tip jar instead of giving it to the register so yeah mm, you could have done that i would order their meatloaf that's the real (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll be back next week thank you everybody for listening goodbye